You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today has experienced crippling back pain that required six operations. He was addicted to pain medications, stomach bleeding, digestion issues, along with liver and pancreas problems, and all of his health problems were rectified by using cannabis. Joining us from Connecticut in the U.S. to tell his story is Chris Johnson. Chris, good of you to do this. That was a hell of a long list. Was that only a partial list or a full list? That, that, that was a pretty full list, I think. Okay. I think that's enough. <laughs> now, yeah, that's definitely enough. Yeah, in reading your health problems, I got the impression that you were in a bit of a mess. When did your health start to decline? Yeah, um, so I was I was relatively healthy most of my life up until about 1999 or so, in my early 20s. And um, I had my first back problem at work, and we thought it was just... A strain, you know. I went through the uh, the usual, trying different different medicines and different exercises, and just trying to you know muddle through it. And it took about a year until we realized that it was just getting worse and worse, and I had to have a surgery. So it was around 2000 when I had my first surgery. What was the issue with your back? How did you injure it? Um, well, I was changing a snowplow blade at work, and we thought from the bending and the heavy lifting, the awkwardness, maybe I twisted something or just pulled a muscle. Um, we didn't realize the severity of it or how bad it would get in the years to come at that time. And so you had an operation to correct the issue, correct? Yes. It was relatively successful. For, for several years after that, I, um, I, I, just, I, I did what the doctor said. I did some physical therapy afterwards. I had some lingering pain and issues, but it, it, really, it wasn't like life-altering or debilitating. I, I continued working. I went back to my job, and everything seemed to be okay at the time. Now, in the introduction, I said you had six operations. Yes. So my second one was in 2008, eight full years later. Uh, the pain was slowly creeping up and getting worse leading up to that one, maybe like two years before even. And I just kind of played it off as maybe I was just gaining a little bit of weight or, you know, getting older. It wasn't that big of a deal until one day it got really bad. And I was like, in tears and couldn't stand the pain and had to go to the hospital. And that's when everything went downhill from that time. And what was the issue? What did the doctors tell you about it? Um, well, I had another herniated disc. Um, I, this one was immediately above the level of the last surgery. And they had warned me that the other ones could rupture. Um, and if they ruptured, that I would possibly be paralyzed if a piece of it pushed against uh, the wrong nerve or my spine in the wrong way, and it could actually sever nerves. Ooh. Yeah. And so I had to have another operation. That one was pretty important. After the second operation, the physical therapy and the medications they were giving me became more intense, and things definitely got worse after that. What kind of medications were you on? 
that's when they, they started with the more serious painkillers, um, the narcotics, oxycontin and oxycodone. Now, they were just basically throwing anything at it to try to help me deal with the pain. And some of it worked a little bit, but most of it just kind of knocked me out and just made me forget about it by you know, sleeping through it or whatever. They weren't really helping with the actual problem. Did you become addicted to them? Yeah, definitely. Over the course of the next couple of years, I had a couple more surgeries. One of them was was I was in the bathroom late at night at my house, and I collapsed, and I was actually paralyzed from my waist down. Ooh. And so I had to be brought by the ambulance to the hospital. Um, couldn't feel my legs, obviously couldn't stand up or walk or anything. Two hospitals refused me, and the third hospital did an emergency surgery on me the next day to regain use of my legs. And by that point, I was definitely addicted to the pain medicines. And every time that I had to have another procedure done, they would increase them because they were becoming less and less effective as time went on. You must have thought that given your back issues and the medications that uh, you were living close to, I don't want to say this, but you were close to being paralyzed for good. Definitely. Yeah, I was I was warned and worried that any wrong turn or a, a good sneeze the wrong way could actually be what paralyzes me for life. Yeah, they kept telling me that all along. And in between, before my fourth and fifth surgeries, um, like I said, the, the pain medicines weren't working so well, so I was drinking by then, and I, I started drinking a lot with the pain medicines to try to help them work more. Like, I would actually take oxycodone with loss of wine. Anything, you know. anything to try and kill the pain. Absolutely, and and all it did was just make me stupid. It made me a zombie. It made me lethargic. I mean, I, I couldn't leaving the house was a chore. You know, I just didn't have any kind of a life. I was I was awake in pain all night long and sleeping during the day. My wife and kids would have to like tiptoe around the house not to wake me up, or you know, daddy's finally sleeping, so I don't disturb him. It wasn't a fun way to live at all. No, and then, of course, those pharmaceuticals come with their own side effects, etc. Oh, boy. And, yeah, in 2012, um, I, I, I never actually went to the black market or got any of these pills illegally. They were always prescribed by my doctors. <clears throat> I was always able to talk them into giving me more and more and or higher dosages. And in 2012, they wouldn't. And I ran out one night. But my pain management doctor appointment was the next morning. So I got up the next morning anyways to try to get to the doctor appointment, and I actually blacked out from the withdrawals I was having, and then I hit a tree. And when I hit the tree, I almost died. I, I broke eight ribs, my pelvis, an ankle. I lost a huge chunk of my scalp and a bunch of teeth, and they fixed it the windshield. Um, I was in the hospital for a month, and that's when they put me on even more pain medicines because of the accident in addition to, obviously, my back surgeries and everything that I was already on. So that's when it got really, really intense. And I knew I had to start either looking for an alternative or it was going to kill me. Chris, where did you think your life was going at this point? I had absolutely no outlook on the future. All my hopes were gone. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have any kind of hopes for anything better than it was. It was really depressing. I was going to ask you if you were depressed during this period. You must have been. I was I was very depressed. I was um, also being so lethargic. I, I gained a lot of weight, so I was very obese. You know, I, I couldn't couldn't go to family functions. I couldn't leave the house, and even when I was able to, or people would want to help me, I wouldn't want to. I would just want to stay home, 
wallow in my own pity, kind of, or drink myself into unconsciousness. Yeah, we were talking to a woman yesterday in Vancouver who was on pain medications as well, and as a result of these pharmaceutical drugs that she was on, she gained 150 pounds. She doubled her body weight. Yeah, wow. And uh, they just had some terrible, terrible side effects. I was up to 450 pounds at my heaviest. I'm, I'm six feet, five inches tall, and I was 450 at the most, wow. and now I weigh 20. Now you weigh 220? 220, yeah, less than half. Yeah, you, so you, wow, you congratulations. That's fantastic. You've lost half yep. your body weight. Yep, and, and, and it stays off just from being active and being able to function, and it's not even an issue anymore. How did cannabis but, enter the picture for you, Chris? Um, pretty much out of desperation. I had used it recreationally when I was a teenager and younger, you know, um, and it pretty much left my life for... Almost 10 years, probably. I, I, I had two kids. I got married, bought a house, you know, did the whole working thing, and just the whole partying kind of lifestyle left me. But after all of this and starting to hear some of the research and people talking about the benefits they had from it, uh, a couple of friends basically just put the bug in my ear saying, hey, you know, why don't you try this? And I was like, yeah, I love weed. I used to love smoking joints, but I can't because what if I go back to work and I might get drug tested and just became so desperate that I was willing to give it a shot. Um, but my doctors did not want to help me at all. So I had to do all the research and experimenting and talking to other people all on my own. I had no doctors supporting me whatsoever. They all told me no. When you're taking cannabis, were you taking oil or were you edibles? What sort of form were you ingesting this? Just smoking the flower. That was it. That's how I started it. I, I, I didn't have any experience with oils or or anything like that. So when you started smoking it, did it make a difference? It did. Um, at first, I, I did it with the medications I was still taking, all the painkillers and everything. And I basically only wanted to feel more comfortable and be able to live like that. I wasn't really looking to get, you know, to stop taking the pills or anything like that. I just wanted to be able to be in my body and not be in excruciating pain. But over the course of a couple of months, I started to feel better and better, and I noticed I was taking less pills, so I just kind of kept going with that, and, and eventually I was able just to keep dropping different pills. Like, I, as I started losing some weight, I didn't need all the blood pressure medicines anymore. Um, when I was able to start sleeping at night again, I didn't need the sleeping medications anymore, and obviously the pain pills, I was able to start taking less and less pills. And this was just by smoking? I'm sorry? And this was all just by smoking it? Only by smoking it, yes. Okay. So what do you attribute the weight loss to then? Was that because you uh, the pain was less so you were able to be more mobile? Yes, definitely. Instead of just being a vegetable and a recliner all the time, I was able to actually move. I wasn't able to sleep in my bed or lay down flat for over two years. I had to sleep in a recliner all the time. You had to sleep in a recliner for two years? Yes. I could not lay flat, even... MRIs and x-rays were excruciating for me to go through because I had to actually lay flat and still. That was terrible. It must have made a big difference to your family life as well when you uh, started needing less uh, painkillers. Yeah, definitely, because I was able to start going to my kids' school functions again. I was able to start going out with my wife again. I was able to start having an actual life again. Chris, tell me about when you were on the medications. You said in the notes that you sent us that it damaged your liver and pancreas. 
tell us about that. Well, I would have a bout of pancreatitis every couple of weeks. I had lesions that um, grew on the liver and pancreas, but the doctors kind of put those on the back burner because of the spine problems and the nerve damage problems and everything else I was having. The growths weren't like a main priority for them, so they never actually tested them to see what they were or what was causing them. But clearly, the, the alcohol and the pain medicines were causing them because when I started using less, it eventually stopped. They continued monitoring their growth, and they all shrunk and eventually went away on their own. Now, when you were taking the cannabis, when you were just smoking the cannabis, did your desire for alcohol decrease? It did, yes. Yeah, because the alcohol really wasn't for enjoyment anymore. The alcohol was just to to try to numb my brain and knock me out, basically. Self-medicating, basically. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't getting any kind of enjoyment out of it. I didn't just have a sip or two of wine or a beer with dinner. It was all or nothing. And unfortunately, it was around the clock. It would be first thing in the morning when I got up or in the middle of the night or, like I said, taking the actual pills with the alcohol. Now, when you were at that point, did your family members do their best to avoid you when you were drinking heavily? Yeah, definitely, because I would be irritable. You know, I would act stupid, say dumb things. Luckily, I'm, I'm not a violent person in any way, shape, or form, so there was never any concerns with anybody's safety, but it definitely was not comfortable for any of them to be around. And my wife actually considered moving into a different bedroom in a different part of the house. We have an in-law apartment on our house. She considered moving to the apartment to stay close, but not really watch me that closely, killing myself like I was. And how do they feel about, uh, how do your kids feel about their dad now? They they love me. I mean, they, they definitely loved me through that also, but I think they are proud of what I've done. Um, I know they're definitely happy to have me around in their lives. We have a very close relationship. I couldn't be more happy of the way things have turned out. We're actually bringing my daughter to college tonight. Where do you think you'd be today if you hadn't started using cannabis? I, I would definitely be dead. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, if the pancreatitis didn't get me, you know, or the blackouts, or a motor vehicle accident, maybe probably an overdose accidentally. I mean, by the time that I stopped, I was on quite a bit of Oxycontin and Oxycodone. I was taking like, like six to eight pills a day. Um, I think there were 60 milligram tablets. And it was just, it was not any way that my body would be able to sustain for much longer than it did. I'm surprised it held up as long as it did, actually. I probably should have died many times before. There was a lot of times where I was sick and throwing up, and I knew I was overdosing, but you know, I just took some more alcohol and passed back out and kept waking up. Chris, over this period when you were really struggling, you were taking a, a lot of alcohol, pharmaceutical medications, and you had the car accident. What was the bleakest moment for you in all of this when you look back at it? After the car accident, that was the worst. I, I still had two more back surgeries to come after that, not because of the accident, but because of the de- degenerative spine. Um, but definitely in the hospital, in intensive care, you know, only very limited family could come and see me. That, that was definitely the worst part. I remember screaming in pain when they, I wasn't able to move myself, but they would put me on the MRI machine and they had to roll me onto my side. And I, I the top of my lungs, I never screamed like that before. I would cry, cry, cry because of the pain. And everything just seemed so hopeless. 
What's uh, the status of your back now? Well, I feel great. Um, they told me that the nerve damage would never repair itself, so I would always have numb, numbness in my leg and weakness. But they were wrong about that. The nerve damage has definitely repaired itself. I don't have any tingling in my legs. I don't need gabapentin anymore. Um, they also told me that the degenerative part would not stop, that things would only get worse, and I would keep needing more and more surgeries in the future. But since 2013, when I had my last one, I, I haven't even gone back to a doctor. I feel excellent. I'm as active as I ever was before. I'm back to work. I was able to get myself off of Social Security disability. I just couldn't. It, it's almost like a like a fountain of youth. It was wonderful. Yeah, you've really repaired yourself, haven't you, just by smoking cannabis? Just by smoking cannabis, yeah. How often do you smoke during the day, Chris? A lot. Um, I usually start when I first wake up. You know, I have a little bit. It gets me off in the in the right frame of mind and the aches from the night from sleeping in bed. And probably every two to three hours, I would say, I smoke a little bit. And it's not a lot. You know, it's not... It's not to get stoned. You know, I do like the THC, and I do like the feeling of the high, but it takes quite a bit to get high, especially if I stick with the same strain for a while. Mm, and that's not your objective. Your objective yeah. is just to control that pain. Exactly, mm. yeah. And so it's almost like it's not quite microdosing. It's more than that, but it's definitely more of a, of a maintenance smoke rather than sitting down with, like, two joints and, you know, partying. Have you ever tried uh, not smoking for a day just to see what would happen? Yes. I, I often go a full day with not smoking because of my job. Um, I do drive a lot and stuff. And so there's some days where I'll go half of a day or close to an entire day and not smoke at all. Now, where you work, do they know that you're taking cannabis as a medication? Yes. Yeah, they do. And they're very supportive. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's very hard to find employers like that. Now, when you started smoking cannabis, did you you made some reference to some of the other things that it's helped? Can you give us a rundown of some of the things that it's helped besides your back pain? Well, it's definitely helped with sleeping. Um, I, I can go to bed at night and close my eyes, and maybe within ten or fifteen minutes, I fall asleep. I've never been a fast fall sleeper, but this is pretty fast for me. Um, I don't wake up all night in pain. I don't have to get up and roll around or move to a different position. Um, I've lost a lot of weight, so it's helped with I don't need blood pressure medications. My blood pressure and cholesterol stay in check on their own. I, I do get regularly. Um, I go to doctors for physicals every year. All my numbers are fine the way they are. I don't need any kind of medications to control any of that anymore. Uh, depression is at a bare minimum um, because most of it was stemmed from not being, you know, functionable. So it's definitely helps with that. Well, when you talk about depression, I can understand why you'd be depressed yeah. given the fact that you've had this terrible problem with your back, six surgeries, you had the car accident, and my God, who wouldn't get depressed with that? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely no way to live. What does your doctor say about the fact that you don't take opiates, et cetera, anymore? I, I fired them. I don't know. I don't see them anymore. They, they, <laughs> they wouldn't help me with, with talking about cannabis. They wouldn't help me with researching it. Mm -hmm. um, they obviously wouldn't give me a medical card. 
So I pretty much, once I was able to stop taking the pills and didn't need them anymore, and I told them leading up to it what I was doing, and they were glad to see me taking less and less, and they were supportive in the fact that I wasn't taking anymore, but they did not recommend me stopping. But I did anyways. Did they notice at all your weight loss? Yes. Yeah, he did. Well, I don't know how they couldn't, right? I mean, you lost over half your body weight. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, maybe that's one of the dumbest questions I've asked in quite a while. But, <laughs> but I mean, you lost half your body weight. You come in there looking like a different person. They must have said, Chris, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they knew what I was doing. Um, you know, like I said, they, they didn't support it. Uh, being that it was cannabis, but they supported it in the fact that it was making me healthier and they could see that I was feeling better and I was happier than I ever was. Yeah, you've got a more optimistic viewpoint of life now, don't you? Yes, definitely. Do you still get much uh, or minimal pain in your back as a result of smoking cannabis? Yeah, once in a while, um, I'll, I'll overdo it or I'll lift something a little too heavy or do too much during the day and I, you know... You're reminded. And I, and, but it, it's not to the point where I have to sit down or I hold my back and yell ow or anything like that. It's just like a reminder, like, okay, take it easy. You're not, you're not a teenager anymore with nothing wrong with you. You're, you know, you're getting older and you've gone through some stuff. And so it's more like, you know, a control mechanism. I know how much I can do and I start getting warning signs. And so I just, I stop. Then. What do your friends think of what you've done? They they love it. They um, a lot of them are jealous because of their life situations or jobs. They're not able to try cannabis for themselves, um, but they're they're very happy to see me healthy and happy again. You know the way that I was. It must have been terrifying for them, knowing that they could watch me die at any moment. You know? Chris, are there many companies? This is a dumb question, but we're in Canada and you're in the United States, and I'm just wondering about companies uh, having drug tests for their employees. Is that uh, widespread in the U.S.? It's very common. Yes, most companies do drug tests, and they don't only drug test for specific drugs. They they do the entire gamut. They they test for everything, and it's all or nothing with them. Either either you use it or you don't. It doesn't matter if you use it. Once a month in the privacy of your own home, um, or if you're smoking on the job, they don't care either way. They don't, they don't want you using cannabis. Now, the company that you work for, which we will not name, is right. very supportive of what you do. Yes. And do they test you regardless, though? No. No, not at it, all? No, not at all. Now, are there any other employees with the company who are cannabis users who do not get tested? There's a couple that do not get tested, yes. Okay. But it is widespread in the U.S. for companies to drug test you. Okay, I got that. Now, Chris, when you were going through all of this and you started to come through the other side, I mean, your weight went down, your back started to feel better, you felt better mentally. Were you more optimistic about your life as a result of taking cannabis? Yeah. Yeah, everything. It was like an awakening. Um, when I was taking less and less pills, it was like coming out of a fog. And then when I finally actually stopped, the initial withdrawals for the first 
definitely for the first week were excruciating. But then after after the second week, I would say it was like coming out of a fog and like the sun was rising and everything was just so clear and beautiful and amazing again. I, I and I still do. I, I like get enjoyed like just a nice cool breeze or a sunny day like today. It's very gratifying being able to appreciate everything again. What did this do to your digestive issues that you had? It got rid of them. I, I don't have any anymore. I have no more pancreas problems. Um, the, like I said, the growths have totally shrunk and gone away on their own with no medications, no pharmaceutical medications whatsoever. Um, I don't have pancreatitis anymore. I'm not hus- hospitalized anymore with digestive shutdown from the opiates. I don't need my stomach pumped ever again. It's, it's totally gone away. That's remarkable, Chris. You've done a fantastic job of uh, actually cleaning up your health. I mean, it was not your fault that your back went out, but uh, the doctors put you on all these pharmaceutical medications, which really took you down a very, very dark road. And It was a snowball effect, unfortunately. It's like once you started with the first thing, it would have some side effects that needed to be treated with some more medications, which would have side effects, which needed to be treated with more. And, you know, besides just the, the minor side effects like that, some of them were major side effects, you know, like being lethargic all the time and the growths on the pancreas. I mean, that had major complications in my life just because of the side effects of the pill. Yeah, nearly every person that we've talked to in this program who is taking pharmaceutical medications, painkillers, they always say that once they started to get off them for the first, I guess, Corey, for the first week or week. two, yeah. it was just, life was just horrible. Yeah. First week or two, the withdrawal of that is just awful. Yeah, I was I was sweating and freezing cold at the same time. I would I would shiver uncontrollably, headaches and body aches, like a really bad flu. It felt really bad. Well, essentially, you were a drug addict who was addicted to pharmaceuticals. Absolutely, and so yes. you you were going through withdrawal. Yes, yeah. When when I had my accident in two thousand and twelve, that was because of. Um, the withdrawal because I hadn't had a pill in almost 12 hours before that. And most likely my, um, my blood pressure dropped and that's probably why I blacked out on the way to my doctor appointment. Oh, your blood pressure dropped too low and then you blacked out and hit, hit a tree. Yeah, hit a tree. Chris, it's a, uh, it's a fantastic story to hear that you've, uh, you've come this far. I mean, six back operations, I can recall a friend of mine who had a back operation, and he said it was the biggest mistake he ever made And because he said he's been in more pain as a result of the back operation than he was originally. But you've gone through six of them. Yep, and, and I have three fusions where I'm held together with titanium rods and screws, and usually those from the amount of um, muscle and stuff that they have to cut, the amount of nerve damage afterwards – is usually pretty excruciating, and that's usually permanent. It doesn't go away. Some of it will go away after a little while, but a lot of it stays for the rest of your life. They told me that I would have that forever. Boy, you go through a scanner at the airport, they're going to pull you aside. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wow. Chris, anything you would like to say in conclusion about uh, use of cannabis or your issue? I, I just want to say that everybody should give it a shot. There, there's literally no harm in trying you know, it, it may not work for everything, for everybody, but it can definitely do a little bit 
for everybody. And there's no harm in trying. Try it with your pills. You can try it with alcohol. There's no danger in mixing it with different stuff. Most that it will do is just not be effective for you. But I, I genuinely believe that everybody can get something from it. Chris, your story is really, truly uh, inspirational. I'm sure people will get a lot out of it. And uh, congratulations on what you've done, and thanks for doing this. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Chris, it's an incredible story and uh, an incredible journey you've been through, and we thank you so much for stepping up and sharing it with everybody. Thank you, Corey. I'm more than happy to. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on Podcon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at the TalkingHedgePodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.